buttons to press. At eight o'clock this morning, Jane said to me, I'll take the dogs because you want to read through your sermon again. And whatever you do, don't add to it, leave it as it is. So look at all the scribbles all over it when she went out. But I won't talk about that. Over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at account, uh, account, not accounts, what's the word? Encounters with Jesus. Today we'll be starting in Matthew and we'll be looking at John the Baptist's encounter with Jesus. Before I start though, I've got a couple of questions. What has David White and John the Baptist got in common? David White and John the Baptist. There's David White. Don't worry about the letter, that's coincidental. No? Sorry? No, 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 no. What's his claim what's his claim to fame then? No? Okay then. I'm glad no one knew this because it would spoil this bit, wouldn't it? He is the Garter King of Arms. The Garter King of Arms. Okay? And you may have seen him looking like that. If you want to know what the Garter King of Arms is, then Google it when you get home. At 11am on the 10th of September 2022, David White read from the Proclamation Gallery at Fiery Court in St James's Palace the proclamation of the, asc- the, ascension, the accession of Prince Charles. So you all watched it on television. You saw that man stand up there with the buglers and everything and na- in announcing that Prince Charles was now declared the king. In our passage today, we're going to hear the proclamation of Jesus given by John the Baptist and confirmed by God. Open your Bibles, if you would, to page 965 and you're going to find Matthew chapter 1. I'm not going to read the first two chapters, so don't worry. I just wanted to give you some background as to where we've got to or where we're going. We read, if you look at the headings in the NIV, they're quite helpful. The genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Joseph Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. The Magi visit the Messiah. The escape to Egypt. The return of Nazareth, the return to Nazareth. So we know, we know the story of Jesus' birth, we know of his flight to Egypt, etc., and when he came back from Egypt. Okay, so that's the first two chapters of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew, however, makes a big leap in chapter 3, because some 25 years have passed from the time Joseph took his family to Nazareth to the time John the Baptist appears in the desert. So let's read the first 17 verses, sorry, yeah, the first 17 verses of Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who spoke of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. 
John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt round his waist. His food were locusts and wild honey. People went out to him out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when they saw him, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up the children of Abraham. The axe has been laid at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. I baptise you with water. Water for sorry, I baptise you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. I will baptise with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing forks in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into the barn and burning the chaff with the unquenchable fire. Then. Jesus came from Galilee, Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this and fulfil the righteousness. Then John con- consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. And that moment... Heaven was open and he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. Some pretty powerful words in there. I've broken it down into those uh, rough headings. So four from the scriptures and then um, some application So let's start the first one. John prepares the way. As a child, John grew up in the desert. Sorry, John grew up and became strong in spirit and lived in the wilderness. We read that in Luke 180. He made his public appearance to Israel, preaching in the desert of Judea. In Matthew 3.1, in those days, John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. The desert is an important place in Israel's history. In Exodus, we read, the law was given in the desert of Sinai. The prophets often went to the desert near the Jordan to commune with God. 1 Kings 17, uh, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kithron ravine, east of the Jordan. John the Baptist has one central message in which he urgently calls the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the same message that Jesus announces. If you just turn over to Matthew 4.17, you will read these words. From the time Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
And again, if you just turn over to 1077, you will read about the 12 disciples who preached the same message throughout Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. John's call to repentance sounds like the prophets of the Old Testament calling the people to a right relationship with God that they must affect every aspect of their life. To change one's mind, repentance in the Old Testament always called for a change in the person's attitude towards God which would impact on their actions and their directions in life. External signs of repentance regularly included confessions of sin, prayer, remorse and abandonment of sin. But as similar as John's messages to the Old Testament's prophets, he does, however, have something new to say. He calls to the people to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. The importance is the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom has will be arriving in the shape of the new Messiah of the Messiah. Now we use the word Messiah, but that's just God's chosen one in simple English. And when we say messianic testimony, we're just talking about Jesus and the fulfilment of that prophecy. John is the one foretold by Isaiah, who is who would who had the privilege to prepare the way for the uh, arrival of his kingdom. A voice of the one calling in the desert: "Prepare the way for the Lord; make straight his paths for him." Alison read that from Isaiah. The expression "the kingdom of heaven" is only found in Matthew's gospel. I lost my place now. Masu's gospel. Um, it's interchangeable with the kingdom of God, which is found in the other gospels. The people of Israel have had their fill of other kingdoms and being ruled by them. They wanted to return to the glories of the ancient kings, such as David and Solomon and his descendants. The thirst of independence was strong in Israel. The prophecies of David's house and the kingdom enduring forever seemed as they would never happen. John, however, ignites a spark of hope, preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near. John's mission is like that of a courier who precedes the king to proclaim his coming and the need for citizens to be ready. But what kind of kingdom did they expect? What did John expect would occur now that the kingdom was near? In John, God is again speaking through his prophets. We move on to number two now, John's baptism. The response to John to to call repentance is extraordinary. As throngs of people go out from the city of Jerusalem... From all over Judea and from the river, uh, from the region of the Jordan River, John's message seems to have taken Israel by storm. It is no easy matter to go to go into the desert, especially for city dwellers. But gripped by his message of the nearness of God's kingdom, they showed their repentance by confessing their sins. The ordinary people showed their repentance that they had heard John's message 
a warning of a prophet of God. In the light of coming judgment, they must be right with God. The nearness of God's kingdoms leaves no room for doubt. They must get everything out in the open. They must show God by their actions and by their words that they are indeed putting their old ways behind them and ready for the arrival of the kingdom. This is a one-time baptism as a preparation for the arrival of the kingdom. It was so distinctive that it gave John his add-on name of Baptist. The implications of the kingdom. Among the crowd who went out to to hear John were some religious leaders, including the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, The Pharisees are religious leaders who had lots of laws and they were very much a do as I say, not necessarily as I do people. The Sadducees were like the aristocrats and they thought they were above everybody. That's just a really simple explanation of it. They appeared to join John's crowd responding to his call to repent. Perhaps they are coming to John as official leaders of Israel to validate or perhaps even investigate his ministry. John sees through their hypocrisy and has harsh words for them, calling them a brood of vipers, a reference to the snakes that appear from a mother snake. Vipers are apparently known for their subtle approach and attack, as was the serpent of old in Genesis. These religious leaders had ulterior motives, either in attempting to mingle with the crowd who are drawn by John's coming, uh, drawn by John, or coming to see if they can find fault in his prophecy. This John, who is outside their circle, is attracting such a following. John clarifies what will happen with the coming kingdom. It will start with the arrival of the coming one, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. The coming of the kingdom of heaven will will be accompanied by by the wrath of God and fire of eternal punishment. Those who respond to John's message and repent will escape God's wrath. People must come to God and repent individually. He calls for repentance for all Israel, including the religious leaders. John looks to the one more powerful who will arrive with the power of God to start his messianic rule. As a servant of the king, John realises that he is not worthy even to carry the sandals of the deliverer. John baptises with water for the repentance, but the coming one will baptise with the Holy Spirit and fire. John displays a straightforward understanding of his own role in the place of God's redemption. John's baptism was uniquely associated with repentance. He declares that the coming Messiah already has a winnowing fork in his hand. The harvest is ready to begin. At the end of the harvest season, a farmer brought the harvest of wheat into the thrashing floor, a stone or a hard-packed dirt surface often with a short wall around the perimeter. He then took a large pitchfork, a winnowing fork, and tossed the wheat into the air, where the wind would blow off the lighter chuff, leaving only the good wheat on the threshing floor.
The wheat was then stored in the granary for later use. And the chaff was gathered up and burned. John baptises Jesus. Up to this point, the coming one has not been identified. Jesus now appears on the scene. Without careful reading of this text, you might think that Jesus needed conversion and purification or baptism. But John quickly dispels this because he knows the identity as the one more powerful than Messiah. I need to be baptised by you. And do you come to me? Jesus is the one more powerful, the one who inaugurates the kingdom of of, of the kingdom that John has been preaching. Only on Jesus' insistence, let it be so, does John agree to baptise Jesus because it is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. John's baptism, sorry, Jesus' baptism has far more significance than we might think. All four Gospels have this incident in one form or another, in Mark, Luke and in John. This is the beginning of the ministry that will forever shape the direction of God's relationship with his people. Jesus goes into the water of baptism In doing so, he identifies with his people in their need. He identifies with their sinful humanity. He has come to save them. Jesus could quite have easily been up the front there, standing with John and calling the people to repent. Instead, he went down with the sinners, affirming his solidarity with them, making himself one with them in the process of salvation that he would in due course accomplish. Jesus will bring to fulfilment the ministry of John. He, Jesus, is the one more powerful. Jesus now receives the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the confirmation of the Father to accomplish his mission further indicates the reason for his baptism. The people have banked their future on the hope of the kingdom of God. And now the one recognised by John to embody these dreams simply goes into the Jordan to be baptised. As Jesus comes out of the water, heaven was open. God himself opened the gates and revealed something momentous. They saw the spirit descend like a dove and alight on him. A dove is often associated with gentleness and peace. In contrast with judgment, do you remember in Noah when the dove was sent out into the floodwaters and the floodwaters were there for a judgment? This is not to suggest that the baptism of Jesus is the first time that Jesus receives the Spirit. He himself, if you read back in 120, was conceived through the Holy Spirit, which indicates that he was filled with the Spirit in the womb. The statement, this is my son, whom I love, calls to mind that well-known image of the father and the son in Psalm 2, 7, which again Ali read at the beginning. I will proclaim the the decrees of the Lord, he said, you are my son. 
The title Son of God has clear significance in Jesus' ministry. Jesus, therefore, starts his public ministry as the unique son who is the triumphant messianic king, yet a humble servant also. He will accomplish his father's will in coming to the people Israel and yet bring hope to the nations. Now then, the application. The mind-boggling truth about Jesus. How does this apply to us? All of us here are probably too familiar with Jesus to recognise how difficult it was for people of the first century, including later even his own disciples, to comprehend fully who he was. We may have learned from our earliest years in Sunday school, youth groups and Bible studies that Jesus is both God and human. We have recited doctrinal creeds and heard countless sermons discussing Jesus' divine and human nature. But our familiarity with this truth numbs the reality. Someone once said, The coming of Jesus into this world is the most stupendous event in human history. He refers especially to the mind-boggling truth that God actually became a human and lived amongst us. As we think about this truth, our encounter with Jesus, we will find the story of this encounter will reshape our expectations on what the kingdom is like. We all carry around different mental memories and pictures of what a king and a kingdom are like, depending on our past experiences and our mindsets. If you were to walk up to a person in the street and invite him or her to come and enter the kingdom, you would have a lot of explaining to do about what you meant, because he or she already has formed a mental picture. What is your expectation of the kingdom? At least we can see from the incidents surrounding John the, Bapt- John the Baptist announcing the kingdom of heaven, along with Jesus' baptism and the anointing of the Messiah of the kingdom, several important implications. Not just a warning of judgment, but also an invitation to life and change. First, the arrival of God's kingdom in the preaching of John the Baptist is a warning of judgment but is also an invitation to life and has expectations of real change in lives to those who respond. Alison was talking about that early through baptism. This will be explained more fully as Jesus' ministry unfolds in the next few weeks, but the arrival of the kingdom of God promised to bring new life. With the kingdom is life. Outside the kingdom is death. Not many of us would relish giving a hellfire and brimstone service these days. We don't like to offend. Jesus warns us later that the coming judgment of those who reject the message of the arrival of the kingdom. We must be clear of this warning for ourselves and for those around us. We can quite... We can create a warped view of God and the gospel by overemphasising judgment to come. 
but we can surely distort people's views if we if we minimalize the the reality of this judgment. How painful and helpless, utterly desperate is the feeling that we have when a loved one has gone to eternity without accepting Jesus. But what joy when we think of a loved one safely in the receiving arms of God, because he or she has heeded the warning and turned to the Saviour. No message of judgment should ever be given without the accompanying message of the promise of life to those who respond. John does not John does not hold out the latest self-help promotion. You've seen them all, haven't you know, how to get better understanding of life, etc. Instead, he points to the source of real change, Jesus. Change is not only possible, but it is a reality to those who experience a new birth and the transforming power of the Spirit. All of this is hinted in John's message in his reference to bearing fruit. Profession of faith is not enough. Bearing fruit is required. Profession is the claim that a person has repented and received new life. But bearing fruit is the external evidence that new life is real. A tree will always produce fruit in keeping with the nature of that tree. The arrival of the kingdom of the kingdom will be accompanied by the Spirit, who will give life to all who respond. Religious pedigree does not guarantee acceptance into the kingdom of heaven. John paid no homage to the pedigree of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. To be born into a Christian home is a tremendous privilege. It is a privilege to have Christian parents who attempt to live out godly lifestyle and try to guide their children into the kind of life God has intended for us. But Christian parents and children alike need to remember that there is no guarantees. Children of Christian families must not bank on the faith of their parents. Each of us will stand before God to give an account. Now here's a horrible warning in some ways. Simon, myself and any of us here who are involved in Christian ministry must remember the trap that John and Jesus, throughout his ministry, constantly warned against. We should shudder when we recognise the possibility of becoming like those Pharisees or Sadducees who harden their heart to God through empty religious activities. We must open our heart to God to live in a serenity, we must open our heart to live in sincerity, sincerity before him and experience the ministry of God in our own lives, leading us to experience the fruit of life lived in a humble dependency on the spirit. We must take God's calling in our lives with deadly seriousness, but we must not get caught up with just appearances. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is come. Change is not only possible, but it is a reality for those who experience a new birth through the transforming power of Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. Prepare the way for the Lord. 
Fling wide your gates and welcome him into your lives. We call you now to worship him as Lord of all. So let's use the last hymn, Make Way, Make Way, to open our hearts and let him hymn the Lord Jesus. When I chose that hymn, it suddenly dawned on me that I've always sung that Make Way, sort of like get out of the way. But what about your own heart? Have you made way for him in your own heart? So as we sing this, can we sing it with that in mind? I've just got to change the way we do this. Mm -hmm. As usual. Mm -hmm. 